When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. The animal feed and pet food industry has done well over the past few years and is looking for more market access for products. This is according to Mallory Gaines, the Director of Market Access and Trade Policy at the American Feed Industry Association. She tells us what's top of mind for the organization as we get into the growing season. Well, for the planting season, you know, AFIA really represents specialty ingredients, you know, really what makes a full feed. So what's happening in the fields being planted now really does affect what our finished feed products are going to look like, as well as our pet food products utilizing utilizing those, um, those initial inputs from from a trade perspective, the uh, animal feed and pet food industry has really done well in the last several years, which is great considering the pandemic and you know, now the, the war in Ukraine and everything that we are dealing with. So we have some exciting things on the horizon, really looking for more market access for our products and fighting a lot of unscience-based standards in other countries so that we can get market access for our products and keep that whole supply chain rolling. Give us an example of what you mean by unscience-based policies in international markets. When we're talking about unscience-based policies, I think one of the countries that comes to mind is the European Union. Their farm-to-fork strategy is really something that we're concerned about in the feed industry and in agriculture in general. We want to make sure that what they're asking of the agriculture industry is going to help support us in a sustainable way, feeding the world way. And right now we're concerned that those policies aren't really based on science. They're more based on public opinion. And we'd like to see a little more science behind what they're asking their farmers to do there and then potentially Potentially what they would be asking the rest of the world to do in order to export into their country. So how does AFIA play a role or make a mark in, in that market to, to make a difference there? One of the biggest ways that we make a mark internationally is by working with some of the international standard-setting bodies. You have a World Organization for Animal Health that deals with a lot of the animal and veterinary issues, and feed does play a role in that, making sure that feed products are safe to keep animals safe. Uh, We also work with the Codex Alimentarius, which sets food safety standards internationally. They do feed as well, making sure those standards are science-based, kind of sets the bar for the rest of the world. And that's our first step into influencing global globally what is a science-based standard and how to how to export and create policies on top of those in domestically as well as internationally. We're talking with Mallory Gaines with the American Feed Industry Association. I want to talk now about international unrest happening and then shutdowns in China and how that impacts trade for the U.S. feed industry. It definitely, uh, the war in Ukraine and what's happening in China does impact the feed industry. We have a lot of um, imports that are that we're having a harder time getting from China. And what we're really doing is trying to look for what other markets are out there for our members' products. So when there is a disruption in China, which is a big export country for us, where else can our products go? How else do we maintain our market access in other countries and help support the industry with options? China shut down because of the Shanghai outbreak of COVID, and that really has an effect on ports. If everyone's shut down, they can't be working in their ports, they can't be working in their factories, and we can't get the materials and the ingredients and and supplies that we need here in the United States. 
Are you still concerned, though, that more outbreaks will continue across the world? I am concerned that more outbreaks are continuing across the world. I mean, we want a healthy planet, number one, and healthy people in the planet. But also in terms of the supply chain, we need people to work the supply chain. And when the supply chain isn't working, we are all feeling those disruptions across agriculture, whether it's container issues, trucking issues, not being able to get the inputs you need for your products, and then not being able to export in our country, um, you know, having uh, issues getting export certificates has been something we've been dealing with in the pandemic. It seems like it's slowly getting better, but it is something that we're dealing with as well as COVID settles in the United States, apparently. Mallory, I do want to shift the conversation now to what is happening with trade domestically, talking about our trade leaders. American Feed Industry Association has some concern about not having an undersecretary for trade. Why don't you break that down for us? AFIA would like to see an undersecretary for trade in USDA. Right now, we don't really have that strong undersecretary advocate leading what the Foreign Agriculture Service does for our, in our trading space. It's hard to create strategic plans. It's hard to promote agriculture when you don't have that fundamental leader. We're also seeing the uh, or missing the space in U.S. trade representatives. We don't have a chief agriculture ambassador for trade. So when we're doing trade negotiations, or in this case, trade discussions or frameworks, is what the administration seems like they're currently doing. We don't have that ag expert, that ag leader at the table. I want to zoom in now to our region, uh, Wisconsin, the upper Midwest. What are the key issues that your membership in that region of the United States is bringing forward that you're taking into the second half of 2022? So in your region, I think as most of the, or many, much of the country is affected by high path avian influenza, and we are feeling some of the effects of that as well. In the feed industry, we're able to pivot, pick new different ingredients, you know, adjust our formulas to try to, you know, adjust for what's happening. But it's also affecting our exports. Again, we have some sun, some unscientific trade barriers saying that because your state or your region has high path avian influenza, we're not taking your products. And that's, again, very disruptive, both domestically and in nationally and of course will trickle down even to the state level to the county level where that outbreak is depending on what country is accepting what standards and what products from that region and this could potentially be a similar issue if the u.s has african swine fever Yes, absolutely. If the U.S. has African swine fever, we'll have to regionalize, we'll have to compartmentalize, and each country is going to have a different standard, a different way that they're going to want to handle the United States and our products, again, being very disruptive. And it's hard for us to look into the future to, to see what countries are going to be doing. I know that the animal health plant inspection service is working with countries to try to get them to recognize the protection zone that we're putting around the continental United States in the event we were to get ASF in uh, Puerto Rico. But that's just one piece of the puzzle. There's other pieces in, in, in the puzzle in terms of movement, in terms of exporting our products, porcine and non-porcine ingredients. And touching base with uh, Mallory Gaines with the American Feed Industry Association, diving into the trade policy, trade problems, and opportunities that they're facing in, in 2022 and beyond. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.